my leaf blower was stolen in front of my house. It's just like, you know what? I am sick of this, but I don't think that you can escape problems. I don't think that I can move somewhere. Maybe I could move somewhere where I wouldn't have that problem, but I don't think that moving is a solution. I think that being involved, being known is, is a much better way of life. Are we recorded? Is yeah. it red? Okay. Yeah. Hey, this is Brian Atkinson. Welcome to the Park Rose Life Podcast. Thanks for being with us. I'm joined by my producer, Andrew Morgan. What's up, Andrew? Hey, man, I'm doing good today. Okay. Hey, Andrew, who is our guest today? Today's guest on the Park Rose Life Podcast is Brian Atkinson. What? Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a sit down with you here in a okay. minute. Uh, me and you are going to go one on one. I'm going to give you the rapid fire questions. I'm going to tell everyone. I'm going to ask you like how you got to Park Rose. Uh, I am going to ask you about the the different ventures you're a part of. You're part of a band. You're putting together some community events and different things. And so and you also sell a little bit of real estate, I hear. So there's, a, there's some depth to what you do in the Park Rose community. So I am going to have a nice sit down with you. But before we get into that, uh, the last episode was Donnell Morgan. Thoroughly enjoyed putting that episode together. Very, very interesting. Um, and then we had Ashley um, before that. And then uh, we we also had Joe Rossi. So yes. some good stuff. What's the website that everyone can go to to get the prior episodes of the Park Rose Life podcast? Best place to check it out online is the website parkroselife.com. That's where we got the podcast episodes. You can listen to it right on the site. And I also have other blog posts and resources for the community that don't make it into the show sometimes. All right. So with, uh, with no further ado, let's get into it. Wow. All right. I'm ready. All right, Brian, you nervous? I'm, you know, there's no agenda. I'm on the other end of this. I've never been the interviewee. So I'm I'm feeling good though. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So here we go, man. Here's the first question I have for you. And we're going to keep it 100% Park Rose. Now I'm going to talk to you about a whole lot of different things, but let's kick it off with a big Park Rose question. How did you come to Park Rose? I came to Park Rose wanting to be part of a community, having moved a lot in the my first few years of adulthood and not feeling settled. Um, as a real estate agent, I didn't know this neighborhood at first. And even growing up in Gresham, I didn't know that much about Park Rose or where I live now, which is Argate Terrace. But I got to sell a house here on Rose Parkway in Argate Terrace. And I was like, man, I kind of like this neighborhood, big houses. And I wanted to have a big house so that I could have people live with me. So that was really what drove me here was the big house that was going to allow me to have friends or family stay with me. And sure enough, my parents have been with me. But long story short, when my wife and I were ready to buy our own house, I had her sit down and with me and we made a list of everything we kind of wanted in our housing and decided together because I've seen a lot of drama. Of right. people buying houses together that want different stuff. You see that on like house hunter shows. He wants this and she wants this. Right. So we made our list together, what we wanted. And then 
from that list, it was like, well, the neighborhood that we're going to be able to afford that kind of house is probably going to be Argate Terrace. And we found a house the next day and bought it. And that's, that's how I ended up here. And I'm glad I did. Well, let me ask you something along the lines of like, you kind of mentioned like those, those real estate shows. So I've wanted to ask someone in real estate, is it really like that? Like, you know, I, I know is some of this just produced for, for, you know, like for the drama of it all, or, or have you really sat down with couples and seen in, in real life some issues? You know, I think I tend to attract less dramatic people. Okay. Personally, <laughs> I have a lot more steady people who I'm friends with or who want to work with me. I have had a few dramatic couples and I've kind of scratched my head like, you guys are never going to be able to buy a house. And some, you know, as a real estate agent, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a pastor. You know, I try not to give too much relational advice and just ultimately I'm, I'm providing a service. So sometimes my clients make choices or have treat their spouses in ways that I don't like. But unless I think it's really harmful, I'm not going to say anything about it. I've had a few colleagues and friends on the on House Hunters on the show. And, you know, yeah, it works a lot different than that in reality, but it's still a little element of reality on those shows. All right. So let's get into something that's this a little bit really deep into reality. Now you're working in Portland in the Park Rose area, right? So talk to me a little bit about what your perspective is as a real estate uh, person. You know, like you're you're working in this business. What's your perspective on gentrification? You know, and, and, and let's go a step even deeper, like more than just your thoughts. Like what are some of the things that you're doing Um to kind of guard that or look at that from a Park Rose perspective as far as where we are with gentrification? I'd say Park Rose specific. I haven't lived here long enough to have a full picture of it, but just in the time I've been here and thinking about the future and what I would like to see happen here as Park Rose develops as it already has been, is that through relationship and working together and people knowing each other, we can prevent gentrification and at least in terms of displacement um, or people getting I would say discarded or just disregarded by the kind of businesses that come in by empowering people and working with the community the people who already live here to build businesses and organizations that work for the people who are already here you know one thing we talk about in gentrification and real estate is one of the first signs that a neighborhood is going to be gentrified is a coffee shop coming in. (laughs) And of course I own part of a coffee company and I want to open a coffee shop in Park Rose, which would potentially be a first domino in things changing economically and aesthetically on Sandy Boulevard potentially. And so my, there might be some unintended negative consequences that are to a certain extent are unavoidable. But the part of that we could do is build that business with our community, build a business that caters to the people who are already here, something that they can afford and appreciate, not building something where we're selling $10 ice cream cones that no one who's from here can enjoy. You know, I think one of the the first signs that, uh, you know, living in a community in in the past is that's gone through gentrification. Bike lanes were our first sign. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as soon as we saw bike lanes, we were like, yep, this isn't going to be our neighborhood much longer. But I I think I I asked that question because I look at some of the being new to the Park Rose community and really only coming into this community strictly from like a work standpoint. I don't live here. 
Um, but when I'm around and I do business in this community and I, I shop here, I, I spend a lot of a significant amount of time here. I noticed that this is a, a really uh, a community. And I mentioned this in episode one. This is a community that that is they're hard workers. And so but I also noticed that this is a very diverse community. I noticed that there are uh, a lot of immigrants here. There are a lot of different uh, walks of life and ethnicity. So w- from a real estate standpoint, who's really coming into this space right now? Like who's who are some of your um, people that are buying some of the homes in this in this space right now? There's definitely a good number of yuppies, younger people with some <laughs> money that like mid-century modern homes and that aesthetic. There are people of all different races though i'd say um even though the affordability in portland is getting harder and harder to accomplish you know it's home ownership is a hard task to accomplish and the rate of first-time home buyers is going down right now but from what i've seen anecdotally there's still people of all races and nationalities and backgrounds buying houses in the park rose area so that's encouraging to me i think that people are attracted to the diversity that's already here including the white people buying houses, you know, that if that's a value for you, this is a neighborhood where you could find that. And so I think that socially the values are changing in Park Rose a little bit from some of the, you know, 40 years ago, this was a predominantly white neighborhood, right? more blue collar perhaps, and lower income in some ways than the people who are buying houses here now. So I don't know if that got to the heart of your question or not, but demographically that's what I'm seeing and I guess you know you're asking me for kind of some insight as a real estate agent and that's actually something as a professional I try to avoid to some extent or to a great extent because of ethics and how it's been done totally the wrong way right of realtors driving the force of saying you don't want to live here because this is a, a bad neighborhood right well what does bad mean yeah it's code for black or it's code for whatever in the history of real real estate agents, right? So they call that steering. So I'm not supposed to say much about, hey, you you would like you you would like this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Wink wink for whatever reason that might be or perceived to be. So when people ask me, is this a safe neighborhood? I say, you can check out the crime stats online. What about, you know, the neighbors? Are they nice? You should knock on their door and find out yeah. if they're nice. Do you think there's a lot of minorities in this neighborhood? Like, oh, you should look around. I'm like, yeah. you know, people yeah. have asked me that question, hoping for opposite answers. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be. Or actually, sometimes it's with it when I have African-American clients, black clients, they often ask me the most demographic questions. Right. And so I have to be careful with that, what I say, because some of the rules about being a realtor, not saying too much about demographics are like, you're not supposed to be prejudiced in helping white clients avoid what's considered a bad or, or minority neighborhood. But oftentimes it's black people not wanting to buy into a neighborhood where they're going to feel unsafe. Right. I still have to be careful what I say. So, yeah. And I think that, that, that's a, you, you, you pose a very interesting topic there that we don't have time to get into today, but that's a great discussion that you and I are going to have to circle back around and have, because that, that line right there, it's a, it's a tricky one. Because you do, I, that would be the number one question I would ask you. If I was sitting down with you saying, hey, I'm gonna buy a house in this neighborhood, if I had not, if it's sight unseen, I'm gonna ask you, is it safe? 
And you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that just because, uh, you know, me being an African-American asking you that. And so so let's let's shift away from we get the, the idea that you work hard. So let's talk a little bit about the play hard part. Right. And so let's talk about uh, the music that you do and that you're involved with, because when, you know, when we start putting together the Park Rose Life podcast, you were telling me you had access to musicians and all these different. And that's when I really found out, oh, you really do this. You're not just like the guy who like shows up to the coffee shop strumming with an acoustic, you know, with no shoes on. You actually know music and you're in in, in a band. So tell us a little bit about that. I like to think so. I mean, I'm I'm. I feel honored to not be the guy with no shoes in your your perception of me. <laughs> My level of musicianship is probably akin to that guy's, but I am in a band that's called Chasing Ebenezer. It's a folk rock band. I get to play percussion. That's like African drums, congas. And I've been in that group for about five, six years, six years now with uh, my good friends, Ben and Heidi Sadler. They've been mentors and friends for me for a long time. And we just released a new EP last week. So you can hop on to any music platform and find that it's called, it's the band is called Chasing Ebenezer. So let, let me ask you something real quick. What's your, do you have a favorite song on there? I think Overcome. It's got a little bit of a Latin groove to it. Okay, let's do this right now. We're going to go ahead and listen to about 30 seconds of Overcome. So tell me, what's your thought process? What was the thought process on, on kind of making that track? Have fun. Yeah. Put some energy into it. Get a little bit of a Latin groove going because we don't have that on every song, even though I play Latin percussion. And it's a, you know, Ben wrote that song for his wife, Heidi. They're the two band leaders. So my role in the band is support and make them sound good. Yeah. So it's good. You know, the balance of like now, we haven't gotten in depth into the personal part of who you are, right? But you're a father, you're a husband, you have your parents, like you, you're involved in, in your parents' life, which is a very, you know, uh, daunting thing. Like, you know, it's not an easy thing to just to, to be in that position. Where does the music come in? Is it a release for you or is it uh, another job? Is it another gig? What, what is the music for you? For me, it's definitely a release. 
There might have been a time where I was thinking maybe this can go somewhere or maybe Ben and Heidi can take it somewhere because I was kind of helping them on the marketing and branding and organization side of things that now they've kind of stepped into that role. So for me at this point, being part of the band is definitely a great release and it's fun to have the camaraderie. It's fun to perform and record and get out around town and play music when that's a thing that we can do. Um, yeah, in the past it was more of a second job, but that sure can take some of the joy out of it. And maybe I'll return to that at some point, you know, but that leads me to, I do promote another artist, Eldon T. Jones, the jazz saxophone player. And so for, in that role, I'm not a performer in his band. I just help him book some shows and get organized and, and all that stuff. So, and that's not really, uh, too much of a job for me. It's something I love to do is just kind of, uh, as a friend, as a supporter. What does it take to kind of get involved in the music scene here in Portland? I think show up and meet artists that you like. You know, you can research bands and concerts that are going on and just get to know the people who come off the stage at the intermission or at the end of the show. And if you, especially if you're into a certain style of music and you keep going to that same general genre at the smaller venues where local bands are playing, you tend to see a lot of the same people. So I like jazz music. I like to go to a place called the 1905. Sometimes I would just show up by myself at night, 10, 11 PM and catch whoever was going on late. And sure enough, there'd be other people in the crowd that I already knew or yes. people that I recognize. So I think that's a good way to get involved is to just show up at shows and meet people. That's good, man. I think, you know, for a lot of people, when you talk about moving into a neighborhood or moving into a community, um, you know, when I first moved here, I, that was not, you know, a part of what I, I did in the past, but I found I'm going to have to get out that zone. And Portland, when open, you know, you know, pre-pandemic, Portland provides uh, plenty of venues and different avenues for you to find the type of music that you love. So, did you grow up uh, in music? Did you grow up, or was this something that you just recently kind of picked up on? Super long story short, my whole journey of music started out bad playing the recorder in fourth grade in elementary school, like a lot of us do. <laughs> that turned me off from music for about five years. Then in high school, I started getting into swing dancing, actually. Mm. And that's how I got into the music. I got more into the music than the actual dancing. I only did the dancing for a little bit. Uh, but once I started hearing the jazz music, that kind of led me into playing clarinet and really exploring my interests. And then I started playing percussion and making friends with other musicians. So that's kind of been my, my journey. All right, man. Sounds good. Now I'm going to shift this back to a little bit of work. Okay. Right? So I know that you do, uh, you do, you know, you've got your band, you've got real estate, but you got coffee also. And so tell me a little bit about your relationship with Rocky Butte Coffee. We've heard from James Helms already, and he's a connector of the community and he does a lot of really great things in the community. But, um, you know, when he brought you in uh, and when him and Nathan kind of brought you into Rocky Butte, um, give me a little bit of your your reasons. I kind of know why you got in from listening to the James interview. But, you know, like, tell me a little bit more of what your vision is for for Rocky Butte. 
Yes. Okay. So the history, how I got into, it, I mean, I was sort of one of the first brand evangelists as one of their first coffee subscribers. So I was already into it, having already been friends with James. And at the time, a couple of years ago, I was a board member of Historic Park Rose and their number one goal was to attract a coffee shop to the district, to Park Rose area. James wanted to open a coffee shop. So I made the connection and said, Hey, here I am working for this nonprofit or as a board member of a nonprofit that wants to do a coffee shop. And I have a friend who does this. Let me chat, chat with him, see if he wants to do it over here. And he was interested. And I said, how about I be, become a potential co-owner of this coffee shop? And he said, how about you become a potential, uh, how about you come become an actual co-owner of the whole business? I said, oh yeah. my gosh, I got more than I bargained for. I got a whole <laughs> job out of this. I already got a job. Now I got another job, but it's been a lot of fun. My vision for the, for Rocky Butte is that we continue to open more retail spaces more coffee shops in neighborhoods that don't have them in ways that empower and improve the lives of the people who are already in those neighborhoods in East Portland. We know there's not very many local coffee shops. There's like two. And I'd also like to see us serve coffee at all of the restaurants out here that serve not good coffee. Portland right. is a coffee city. I know you're more of a Jamba Juice guy, yeah. but Portland's a coffee city and the coffee at restaurants out here is, is subpar. And I think Rocky Butte could bring a higher level of co coffee for a lower price and compete in that space. Tell me about the beans that you guys get. Tell mm -hmm. me the story because you know the story. Like, Give me a little bit of the, let people know what the story is about even just the way you purchase beans and the way you go about business uh, with, with Rocky Butte. Yeah, so at any time you're talking about international trade, there's ways of doing business that are really harmful and can be extractive. And there's ways of doing business that can be empowering and fair and just creating blessings and benefiting everyone in, involved in the transaction. You know, we call that the the term everyone knows is fair trade. And our business actually tries to exceed what is sort of like a minimum fair trade standard. Right. So James and his wife traveled to Honduras last year and went to several different coffee farms and they made a connection with this guy named Erlen. Erlen owns Coffee Rama Farms. Honduras is a struggling economy. They, they export a lot of coffee though and they're growing in that. So it's awesome for such a small company like us to be able to say, we know the guy we know yeah. the actual farm that we got this coffee from Honduras and it's pretty remarkable, you know, that he was actually able to go down there and make that personal connection. Cause usually we would just be buying coffee from a website and not really know how much money the farmers are making. And we pay Erlen like 10 times more than he used to pay, than he used to get paid. So it's working out for everyone so far. And that's important, you know, like it just as a side note to everyone listening, that's important for you to do uh, when you challenge, you know, like his park rows, we want, you know, the local coffee shops to show up. We want and But when they show up, we also want them to have that type of integrity. You know, so Rocky Butte is is one of those ideal companies that we would want in the Park Rose community because there's is ethics there, you know, at the heart of it. Like that we want to you want to do right by someone in Honduras. So we know you'll do right by someone in this community.
And so shifting it over to like the Park Rose community and kind of talking about doing right by those in the community. What's your, you know, you as a person, you know, not as a businessman, not as a real estate, you know, uh, person or anything, uh, any of these other hats, just you as Brian Atkinson. Tell me, you know, what does your heart say when you see the the homeless issues uh, or houseless, as some say, you know, issues here in the Park Rose community? That's a loaded one. It's, it's so difficult. It's I wish it was, you know, seeing homeless people, seeing drug abuse in our community. Maybe at one point those used to be issues that were easier to solve that you could say there was an economic issue. I don't know about the history of homelessness in America necessarily, but when I see homeless in Portland in general today and in Park Rose, it's like, I wish I could do something easy. I wish it was easy to figure out here. Here's how I can help. You know, here's five bucks or here's a resource for you. Uh, that's not really been my experience of what's helpful. And I think you would have more answers than I would about <laughs> what is or how to, how to best go about that. Um, so g- give me back to your, your original question, Andrew, cause I think so, I'm, I'm taking well, it all sorts of places. So l- yeah. And let me rephrase it to, to make it a little, you're a father, you're a husband. And let's just be real. A lot of people's common misconceptions about uh, those who are living on the streets is that they do correlate them right away with crime and not just they're living on the street. You still live in this community. And and I don't know if this is too hardball of a question, but my assumption is that and I'm asking as a question, too, is that you're staying in this community. But the the issues surrounding of those on the margins are no longer hidden. So when you walk outside, you're seeing tents set up. When you're taking your children, your son anywhere, you're gonna see, when you see, you know, you're gonna see it, it's in your face. So how are you uh, processing this, uh, you know, as as a, a member of this community? Do you wanna do something about it? And you've kind of answered that already. So like where, you know, as a husband, as a father, it, 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 do you have a concern or do you feel hopeful about it? On an emotional level, I think I tend to feel discouraged on a kind of personal policy and resolve. I feel hopeful and feel that part of my hope is that I feel like I can be I can contribute to change. I don't think I'm going to change the neighborhood or change anyone's life by myself. But I know that working together with my community and my neighbors that we can create beneficial change, whether that's through organization and volunteerism or whether that's through policy. And I think I was encouraged this last election cycle to see how people were really taking the local elections really seriously Um, because I think the city of Portland policies really affect how things go down in individuals' lives. And sometimes that gets lost because it's not easy to understand. As a father, yeah, it bothers me is on just an aesthetic level. You know, we take Evan to Lewitt View Park every day. And for the last week, there's been corners of the park we haven't gone to because there's so much trash and vomit and other unpleasant things. So it's it's not a pleasant part of life in Portland or life in Park Rose, but that's not really, I think my ultimate value is to say, well, I don't want to live next to this stuff. So let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that's a knee jerk reaction sometimes, or like last week I had my 
my uh, lawn, my leaf blower was stolen in front of my house. It's just like, you know what? I am sick of this, but I don't think that you can escape problems. I don't think that I can move somewhere. Maybe I could move somewhere where I wouldn't have that problem, but I don't think that moving is a solution. I think that being involved, being known, is is a much better way of life. I like what you just said there when you said being known, you know, is a much better way of life because life isn't pretty. But, you know, one of the things that I've learned is the valuable lessons that we can learn from every single soul, like every single one that exists, exists with reason and purpose. No one has no purpose. And so even if you're defecating in the corner over there in the park, it's like you you still have a purpose. And that the concept that Evan will have uh, actual uh, depth and character from being able to know that he had a richness of knowing, you know, where some people it's uh, one of the biggest issues that I face as a minority is individuals who were so sheltered in life that they did not know that actual black people existed, you know, like in the real world, like we were always just what they saw in the music videos and the depth and the emotion of, of what racism is and all those things isn't real until it's real to them. And, you know, having a child and you're guiding them through that, I feel, you know, with that type of mindset of like letting them know that, hey, you know, this is real. I love that. So I'm going to shift and ask you a question. Evan, that's your son's name, you right? Got it. Named after Evan Turner? He's not. Okay. Evan Turner was a <laughs> funny and low performing trailblazer for a few years. We did name him at the same time. <laughs> no. Evan is a uh, name my wife chose that I gave a thumbs up to, and <laughs> she could give you more insight about it. It's some kind of Norwegian name that means something significant, but you know what? That wasn't really part of well, what mattered to me in well, picking a name. I don't even in my head it will always be Evan Turner. Okay, like, you know, <laughs> it, my my it doesn't matter. Like it's just gonna live rent free here. But <laughs> I have a signed Evan Turner shoe that I'm gonna give your son next right. time I see him. It'll just be his. Yeah, perfect. I've not been able to unload this shoe in years, so now I finally found the right market. For anyone has extra blazer gear, you're welcome to donate it to my family. So, so let's talk about your love affair with the blazers and how that kind of came about. Uh, the blazers, it's a team. Were you alive for the championship in 1977? Yeah, I was born in 1992, which was okay. already kind of the tail end of the Clyde Drexler era. Okay. We made the NBA finals with Drexler twice, but yeah, I wasn't even old enough to appreciate it. So it's it's kind of, this has been a rough ride, but do you feel optimistic? I feel optimistic. You know, I think as a Trailblazers fan, I got into it as kind of like, I don't know, around when, a preteen, I'd say. Yeah. When I was younger, it was the, the quote unquote jailblazers era. Right. And I grew up in a relatively conservative environment. And a lot of families, parents of kids my age were like, don't watch the blazers because those are bad guys. And oh. some of them kind of were a little bit of bad you guys, <laughs> but it was really blown out of proportion. Right. And you could say there was some big time or small time racism involved in that. Um, not necessarily my parents, just in general, that was kind of the culture in Portland at the time was don't support the trailblazers. So I grew up not actually being that big of a blazers fan until I chose it for myself. And when I, the year that I got really into the blazers was the only year in the last 20 years that they were actually last in the league. Oh, so okay. I became a fan when they were terrible. 
really bad. Yeah. And so that's, I think, kind of made me appreciate all the wins and made me feel like, hey, I'm not a bandwagon fan. I've been through the the low times, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the audience and you a story. You, you've not heard this story yet. You, you were, you're a part of it, but you haven't heard it. So when I first met Brian, um, I was recording like a little, uh, commercial kind of thing for Rocky Butte. And, uh, my son was assisting me and you said to him, um, your actual words were like, you know, like when he was like, Hey, so you guys are Thunder fans. And then you, you did the little goodbye wave. And so we get in the car and my son was like, yeah, that was disgusting. <laughs> my 13 year old, he was like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I remember something about that interaction. It was, uh, how do you feel about Damian Lillard destroying your whole franchise? You said something like <laughs> yeah. that. And my son was just like, yeah, man, that, that guy is not, not a good person. You know, and if, he, if your son was a little bit older, I was like, maybe I wouldn't feel so bad about kind of that friendly ribbing. But I was like, oh, because I learned more about your family after that, that, you know, maybe moving to Oregon was kind of a difficult thing for Brayden and he was like a big Thunder fan right yeah. so I was like oh man I probably didn't make him feel very welcome in Oregon or in Portland well you know I think so here's the thing like we have a very competitive sports household so we're used to it like if you don't come down and watch the Thunder game we will accuse you of being a like a Mavericks fan or something horrible you know so like oh, the, the, the thing is it's like you know we're we're used to it but we also being real fans of like the NBA in general we knew we had our own feelings and thoughts about Paul George. And it's easy to say that now, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, no, you, you didn't know. No, we knew we. And I think we were still as a as a team, like right now, we're just now getting used to letting go. But we knew that that shot had nothing to do with the character and the nature of Paul George, like. The, the franchise wasn't dismantled because they were like, we can't, you know, Damian Lillard shot like that. You know, a shot doesn't dismantle because if anything, that means the Houston Rockets would have been dismantled because that shot to me was probably Lillard's more dagger just because they really should not have won against that particular Houston team. See, I wish I had more sports friends because I'm always talking about neighborhood community stuff. I'm for being a, a guy who sports his Blazers gear around all the time. It's surprising to me. I don't have more friends to chat about this stuff with, but I want it to be known on the record that I was there in the Rose Garden Arena for Damian Lillard's goodbye shot. Mm -hmm. And that, that did send Paul George packing to some extent, but, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun being a fan. And, and I think it's actually cool to that sports is something that gives something people to talk about and connect over. Uh, I've got so many stories about that of just people, people talking to me about sports who never know me before. And so if I wasn't wearing my hat that day, I would have never made that friend or never would have had that connection. Yeah, real quickly, that almost turned into Blazers talk, but that, that's kind of how it goes sometimes because there's so many great parts of Portland that, you know, like to have a professional 
you know, team is important. A lot of cities don't have professional teams and they don't get a chance to rally around that. I noticed here in Portland and we'll shift away from sports in, in a second here, but I also noticed in Portland that people surround the, uh, the Timbers as well as, um, oh my God, it just slipped my name, the uh, the women's The team. women's soccer team, the Thorns. The Thorns. And, and why do you think that is? I think Portlanders like to be perceived as weird. They like their self-perception to be, hey, we're weird, and soccer is something that's been considered as weird in America. I think there's a history of soccer going back to the 1970s here with Pele or some other Brazilian stars coming and playing some exhibition games here that kind of got people excited about it. I'm actually not into soccer. Really? I didn't grow up playing it. I've never been to a Portland Timbers or Portland Thorns game. Really? But... Yeah, no, not my thing. Um, not fun for me to watch. If someone invited me, I would go for sure. I, I think it's cool that Portland's got it. I know that the Portland Thorns have the number one attendance in the women's soccer league. So yeah. I think that's great. I would like to, us to have a WNBA team here. I know that's something you're into too. I would I would yeah. go and support that from day one. But I think that uh, there's some soccer people like true soccer people from Portland who like the Timbers and Thorns. And then it's a bunch of people who've moved here in the last 10 years Oh yeah, who, who kind of uh, view it as it's an identity thing. And I'm not trying to criticize anyone, no, yeah. but I mean, that's my perception of it. I'm not a cultural commentator or right. a real expert on that, but yeah. I think people go to have a good time and jump and chant. And I think they want to view themselves as part of something bigger. 100% than, than, right as a person who's an outsider <laughs> coming yeah, in. Yeah. So let's talk about that uh, b- uh, before we wrap things up, man. Let's talk about the idea of, you know, because we're talking Park Rose and beyond at this point. You know, Portland and Park Rose is known as a community that's transient, like that brings in a lot of different people from different walks of life. Uh, as a Portlander, talk to me about, you know, what what is it? I like I love asking Portlanders this question, native Portlanders, especially, you know, what is this? Is that a real beef or animosity with, with people from California or, or people from all these other different walks of life? Like, tell me what is what, what is what's really going on here? I don't know about that. I think some people, they got real beef. They do not like Californian people. <sighs> me, I yeah. I don't like the, uh, I would say, commercialism or the consumeristic Californians that come up here and and bring some of that negative culture here. I don't like that. Don't like that. I have beef with Seattle people. I don't like <laughs> Washingtonians. I mean, maybe Vancouver, if they're down with Rip City, I'll, I'll be okay with that. But I view Seattle as our rival and Los Angeles and Bay Area is just such a different thing from Portland that it's just, well, I don't, uh, take it or leave it. But I guess those aren't really so much my people most of the time, but I'm not, I don't got any, any no, hate see, for California. I've heard people describe this, um, Oh man, I think it was like on Cowherd show where he, and this is the way he described it. And he's from this region. Um, he was saying that Seattle is the big brother and that Portland's the little brother that will never be as good. You know, it's sort of like if there was a bedlam here, like if it was a rivalry, you know, like that, that, uh, Portland's the state college, you know? Right. And so is that true? Do you feel that way as a fan of sports and culture and all the other things? Do you feel a little brotherish to, toward Seattle? I do. I do. <laughs> I feel a little brotherish to Seattle a little bit. 
Um, I think we're better, but Seattle is bigger and has more money and more sports and more acclaim and there's more TV shows and movies and, you know, they're on the national radar more than Portland is. Um, So I feel a little brotherish to them, but I'm an Oregon duck and I sure like beating the Huskies whenever we can get to it, which is all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, and once again, being trans, like being one of those new people, like we're Huskies in our house. So when I wear purple, it's not Laker. I do like to tease you with a little bit of yellow, but it, it's uh, our gold with with my purple. But our purple love is Huskies. You know, like I've oh, had, do you have a daughter up there? I have two children who were accepted into. Uh, I have one son who is uh, in his soft, wrapping up his sophomore That's year. Excusable. You know, yeah. and. Another, uh, my my younger, my youngest daughter was accepted into UW Bothell, but the pandemic has got her kind of just like making different decisions. So we're we're a UW family. So we we kind of fell into that. But my son, you know, it was up to him. We could have been a Reed family. We could have been like we could have been an Oregon, and somehow it it turned out to be a UW family. Sorry, man. Hey. Go get your education, boy. That's yeah, that's good yeah. choice for him. What's the funniest to me is when I'm wearing my duck gear and people are like, oh, you went to Oregon. I feel sorry for you. What college did you go to? Oh, I didn't go to college. Like, yeah. oh, well, I mean, I'm not dissing anyone who didn't go to college, but don't diss me for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, as we kind of wrap this up and we we move toward um, just toward the, the, the rapid fire okay. questions yep. that I'm going to ask you here in a minute. Just in summary, just to bring it back home to Park Rose, just kind of, you know, and you've you've expressed this over, you know, the course of this interview. But just tell me, what is Park Rose to you? Park Rose to me is a community that sticks together, that has great opportunities because of our small size and because of our diversity it's a community that has been overlooked by the city of Portland, I think, um, politically. And I think it's a part of the city that can be more self-reliant and has an opportunity to grow in, in unity and work together. And it's a community with lots of assets in terms of our people and our parks and housing and all sorts of different things that it's a place that we can better focus on our strengths. So it's time for the rapid fire question. Hit it. All right, Brian. Now I've seen you torment other people with this. I'm going to make you stick to the rapid part of the rapid fire. So I'm going to ask these questions really, really quickly. I'll be speedy. Also because I might forget them. Okay. So, all right. Uh, no, but it, all seriousness, what's your favorite place to eat in Park Rose? I'm going Arge Terrace Trio. The new one is Selena's Custom Kitchen. I'll go side by tie. And Bistro 23. I'm sorry. You just named multiple places. Yep. You can only name one. So that's not, that's minus a point for you. Okay. I didn't know we had a point system. I don't know what you win. All right. Question number two. What's your favorite event outside in Park Rose? My favorite event 
has been the taste of park rose. I got to organize that a couple of times. It happens at Rossi Farms, at least the year I was, years that I was part of it. And my band got to play there a couple of times. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, might look different in the future, but really anything that's happening at Rossi Farms in the barn, that's where the best stuff is in the neighborhood. All right. So what's your favorite place to be outside in park rose? Just in general, just where, where, where's your favorite place to hang? I like Louisville Park. There's a great view, hence the name. I walk around there with my dogs and my son, and there's something for everyone in that park. So I like going on the weekends when it's sunny outside and seeing hundreds of people all doing different stuff. All right. So, all right, you've got a lot of different things that you do. So I'm not going to just ask you like just a plain everyday guy, like like you're just an everyday guy. Where can we catch up with you? Right. I'm going to ask you in a couple of different series of things. So there's one thing I know you are working on and you're not ready to we don't have there's not a lot of information, but you're putting together or you're an integral part in putting together a Park Rose collective of different people, uh, you know, doing faith work and doing work in the community. Quickly, tell me a little bit about that and tell me about the Facebook page uh, we can get to. Okay, cool. Yes, it's a fledgling group. I think that there's an opportunity for more people of faith in our community to work together and support each other. After being involved here in a, for a number of years, I feel like that is something that was missing. So the Park Rose Faith Collective is a group for people to encourage each other and then to encourage each other and encourage our broader community and our maybe our church congregations to get more involved in volunteering and in connecting and supporting the neighborhood. All right. Park Rose Faith Collective is on Facebook. All right. So what about your real estate? Real estate. Yes. I am a residential real estate agent. I've been doing that for six years. I can help you buy or sell real estate, including investors. I work with investors too in Park Rose and beyond. And the best way to find me out for that stuff is actually parkrosselife.com too. All right. All right. So tell me a little bit about um, Park Rose Life. Uh, we know the website, say it again though, but we know the website, but what all can we find on the website? Yes. So thank you for getting this far in this episode. The point of Park Rose Life is to showcase positive things happening in our community and give people more opportunity to join in. So it's on parkroselife.com. I share some blogs and do interviews with people that don't make it to the podcast. And I share, share resources just a ton of stuff that's going on in the neighborhood, including real estate information there. And it's on Instagram and Facebook. So, you know, there's some different content on those platforms too. All right. So last thing I'm going to ask you is your band. How do we get a hold of uh, the music? And I do know that, you know, things are shut down, but if you got any performances or anything, let us know. Okay, cool. Yes. Chasing Ebenezer. That's chasing like running and Ebenezer like Ebenezer Scrooge.com and, you know, chasing Ebenezer on any social media. We got a new EP called Farewell Innocence and you can, no, we got nothing coming up, but we do have some live concerts recorded on YouTube that you can check some, some past videos out. All right. So we just YouTube search chasing Ebenezer and pop it up. That's it. All right. So anything else, any other way that you want us to get in touch with you um, outside of just coming right back to this podcast next week and hearing you interview uh, one of our next great guests? 
I'd say if you have an idea for the neighborhood, I do love being a connection point. Like just as a small example, yesterday I talked with Gary Muzzy. He's a water polo and swimming coach here. He's starting a basketball, youth basketball group. Well, I talked to Marty Williams with Elevate Oregon a month ago. He's doing youth basketball. So that's my next connection piece is those two guys don't know each other yet, they told me. But that kind of collaboration is what I'm all about. So if you have an idea or a concern or a question for the neighborhood, I don't mind being kind of the repository for that kind of stuff. So you can hit me up for for any any reason. All right. Well, that's my part right here. Here in a minute, you're going to hear some really good music. Um, Tell them who's the music by? Eldon T. Jones and his group In Touch. All right. So you're going to hear some really good music and then you're going to hear the host of Park Rose Life, which is Brian Atkinson, uh, lead us out the door. So I thank you so much for letting me interview you, Brian. Thank you for letting us hear a little bit about who you are as a person and getting in depth. And this is only part one. We're going to have to sit down and talk again. We didn't get a chance to talk about your wife. We didn't get a chance to talk about like your hopes and, and a lot of other different things. We've got, we left a lot on the table. That's so, true. So we, we're going to get into leaving one and more. Yes, yes, definitely. So I am your producer, Andrew Morgan, and I'm out. And thank you so much for sharing Park Rose Life. Thank you so much, Andrew, for all the work you're doing for Park Rose Life Podcast. Thank you for interviewing me and making me sound cool. Part of the reason we did this interview with me today is we were running out of guests, but we've got a bunch more being scheduled right now. But if you or someone you know would be a great guest for the show, don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and being supporters of the show. This is Brian Atkinson, and this is Park Rose Life.